Welcome to church. Welcome to those watching online. It's so good to have you join us. How good was last Sunday? If you weren't here, sorry you missed out. <laughs> but it was our mid-year celebration where we paused and took a look back over the last six months. A crazy six months in a, in a worldly sense with COVID and all those kind of things. But it was incredible to see how God still worked his ways and his purposes through his people and through his church. And then to top it all off, we baptised five people as they um, expressed their outward belief of what God had done on the inside of them. So you can't get much better than that, can you? Except that we're only halfway through the year. And so there's another six months to come of this year. The best is yet to come. Hi, Nat. She's one of the ones that got baptised. So awesome to see you here. Over the next three Sundays, as Josh has already mentioned, we're going to spend some time unpacking what the mission of our church is. Why God placed us on this planet, in this location, in this church at this time. Why we exist. Why we do what we do. Now, it's written on the walls out in the foyer, just to give you a hint, just to remind you. But we don't just want it to be pretty walls, do we, even though they are pretty. We don't just want it to be platitudes. We want it to carry it in our heart. We want it to be our DNA. We want it to be who we are and what guides our decisions and our priorities at East Lake Church. So that when things get tough, and they will get tough, when we face opposition, and we will face opposition... When stuff comes against us, when we grow weary of doing good, when the mission just seems impossible, we don't give up. We keep going. It's the reason why we set our alarms early on a Sunday morning to get to church and serve. It's the reason why we love to give and we go first in our giving, sacrificially. It's why we love on our community. It's why we do our Love My Mandarin initiatives. And it's why we rearrange our priorities around the heart of God. This Eastlake is our mission, if you would choose to accept it. We are Jesus followers, hope traffickers, your local church. Should be up on the screen, but it isn't. That's okay. Can you say it with me? We are Jesus followers, hope traffickers, your local church. And today I want to spend the next few moments looking at what it means to be a Jesus follower. What does it look like to follow Jesus? Because when it comes down to it, we all follow something or someone, don't we? You might follow a, a sporting team. You might follow the Eagles or the Dockers. If you're a true Christian, you'll follow the Dockers because that means you believe in miracles. That was for my dad. <laughs> you might follow a particular Instagram or a fitness guru or the Kardashians, whoever they are. But we all follow something or someone. You know, every day we receive up to 4,000 pieces of information, mostly subconsciously, through TV, through ads, through signs, through shopping centres, through social media, all trying to get us to convert to their way of thinking and to buy into their product. They want you to follow them, they want you to believe in them, and they want you to buy into them. See, what you follow and allow to influence your life leads you to make decisions that strung together plot the course of your life. Jesus said, follow me. Follow me. Matthew 4, 18 and 19. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. 
Jesus calls out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, we thank you. Thank you that you are here with us. Thank you that you have um, honoured us with your presence this morning. And God, we know that you want to speak to each one of us personally this morning. So we open up our hearts, we open up our ears, and we say, come God, speak to us. Change us from the inside out. We want to go from this place different than when we came in. In the beautiful and mighty name of Jesus, and they all said, Amen. Amen. Imagine being at work one day, doing what you're doing. <laughs> Why is that funny? <laughs> no, one day. <laughs> Tomorrow. And a guy comes up to you with a certain kind of presence. He seems to know you and he says, hey, come follow me. If that happened to me, I'd kind of probably call security and say, get him out of here, he's crazy. But that's exactly what happened to Peter and Andrew. Jesus approached them and extended an invitation. Do you remember being back at primary school? I know it's a long time ago for some of us. When a child would have a, a birthday coming up and they'd come into the class with that stack of invitations and he'd watch as the delight in the children's faces that they received an invitation. But then you, your heart starts to sink because you realise there's not the same number of invitations as there are children in the class and you might miss out one. Maybe you didn't give a good enough present at the last party or or whatever, but the invitation is exclusive and it's conditional. In stark contrast, Jesus' invitation to follow him is for all. The invitation is for all. Turn to the person next to you and say, the invitation is for all. The invitation is for all. Yeah, it is. <laughs> the invitation to follow Jesus was extended to every kind of person imaginable. Rich people, poor people, older people, young people. Spiritual people, not so spiritual people. He invited them all to follow. And here's how Matthew writes about himself in his own gospel. It's kind of weird, isn't it? He recounts his first encounter with Jesus. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Let's put this invitation from Jesus in context for a moment. This is Matthew, a tax collector. The Jewish guy working for the corrupt Roman government, collecting taxes from his mates, from his fellow countrymen, and often taking a bit extra to line his own pockets. This is not a popular guy that Jesus is inviting to follow him. It's Matthew, the tax collector. See, Jesus could have walked up to Matthew and said something really harsh and disapproving, and that actually would have been justified in that culture. But Jesus walks up to him and says, follow me. And those two words, those two simple words, changed Matthew's life forever. I mean, this is Jesus, the son of God, who was considered to be a rabbi of the time, a teacher. So when he says to Matthew, come follow me, it's not like, oh, Matthew, let's grab some Maccas and let's have a chat. No, it's actually more of a formal invitation. Matthew, come into my inner circle. Come into my group. I want to teach you. Come follow me. I'll identify with you and you identify with me. Here's what Jesus didn't say. I don't know about you, but often I realize what Jesus didn't say was almost as important as what he did say. And here's what he didn't say. Maybe, just maybe you and I might have expected him to say this. 
He didn't say, Matthew, get your act together, clean up your life, sort yourself out, wash yourself off and then come and follow me. He didn't say, here's Matthew, here's an invitation, here's an assignment. I'm going to come back in a couple of weeks and if you tick every box and you pass, then you can come follow me. He said, Matthew, follow me just as you are. And here's the kicker. That same grace-filled, inclusive, unconditional, no strings attached invitation is still available for all today. In fact, Jesus says to you this morning, come follow me. I choose you and I choose you and I choose you. You see, the silently loud voice of Jesus echoes throughout the world, through, down through every time frame, through every culture, through every society, through every race, through every ethnic group saying, come follow me. The invitation is for all. I guess the question is, how will we respond? How will you respond this morning to that invitation? You know, we can tie ourselves up in knots sometimes trying to discern what the calling is for our life. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying God doesn't give us specific tasks and things to complete. But that's not our first, utmost, most important call on our life. Our most important call is simply to follow Jesus. See, it's not about a task first. It's about relationship first. And it's that relationship with Jesus that sustains us, that gives us purpose. It's that relationship with Jesus that when we hit tough times, when we get a bad diagnosis, when we might lose our job, when we lose someone in our life, we hit a relationship breakdown, whatever it is, it's that relationship that sustains us. It's that relationship that is for all. But it's not only for all, the invitation is for life. Okay, do it. Turn to each other. The invitation is for life. The invitation is for life. That's just to wake you up. You know, when a newborn baby comes into the world, it's just the first step, isn't it? And then we watch them grow and get stronger, watch them get their first tooth, we watch them go to school for the first time, we watch them graduate, we watch them buy their first car, and in Josh's case, crash their first car, and, and we watch them step after step in life right up to adulthood and beyond. They take small steps. They take large steps, sometimes stumbling steps and awkward steps, step after step. And you know what? The Bible tells us that when we choose to follow Jesus, that's just the first step in a whole lot of steps. It's like the old saying says, a thousand miles begins with a single step. Some small steps, some large steps, some stumbling steps, some awkward steps, step after step as we follow Jesus. Let's take a look back, if you will, at the disciples' response to the invitation extended by Jesus. Back in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus called out to them, Come follow me and I'll show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little further up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets and he called them to come to. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. See, the invitation to follow Jesus came from an encounter with him. There wasn't a whole lot of dialogue that took place. He didn't have to convince them. He didn't have to sell them a, a dream of prosperity and a life of success. He just said simply, come follow me. And that encounter with Jesus was enough to convince their hearts that he was the way, the truth, and the life, and at that moment, they dropped everything 
to embrace the unknown and the unseen. They dropped their nets, their boats. They left their livelihood. They left their families to follow Jesus for the rest of their days until they drew their last breath. They went where Jesus told them to go. They trusted him enough to submit to his discipline. They didn't always understand. They made mistakes. They learned. They grew. They walked and talked with Jesus. And they learned from Jesus how to live like Jesus. And today, thousands of years later, you and I are still benefiting from the fruit of their obedience to follow, aren't we? Now, that word obedience... It's not really a kind of trending, popular word at the moment. We kind of almost balk at the idea of having to obey someone or something, don't we? I think it's often because we see obedience as this kind of forced behavior, something we do with our arm behind our back because we're, we're scared of the punishment. Or we're scared of the consequences if we don't. Or maybe obedience for you is like a, a list of rules and regulations and laws that you follow out of some obligation or duty. But that's not the kind of obedience that God desires. Obedience in the Bible looks more like this. Love plus trust plus action. Love plus trust plus action. Obedience always starts with love. It starts from the foundation of you knowing that you are unconditionally, extravagantly loved by God just the way you are. And it's from that foundation from that revelation that you're able to love him and obey him back. Jesus said himself in John 14, 15, If you love me, obey my commandments. And out of love comes trust. Because let's be real here. Some of God's commands don't always make sense. Sometimes they even seem unfair. They can be confusing. For example, the Bible says, if someone does evil to you, you're to return good to them. The Bible says you're to take the first 10% of your income and give it back to God. These things don't always make sense from a human standpoint, but it's when we don't understand what God asks us to do, and we do it by faith, trusting that he loves us, trusting that he wants the best for us, love plus trust plus action. But how many of you know that you haven't truly obeyed something till you have to do something you really don't want to do? I mean, obedience is cool if it leads to you getting a promotion. Obedience is awesome if it leads to you finding the man or the woman of your dreams. Obedience is amazing if you get recognized for it and you get a bigger platform in your life. But will you obey Jesus if he leads you into a desert or a wilderness? Will you obey Jesus if he leads you to a fiery furnace or into a storm? Will you obey Jesus if he leads you to a cross? Matthew 16, verse 24, Jesus said to his disciples, whoever, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me, step by step, moment by moment. Obedience doesn't cut corners, doesn't skip the queue, it doesn't take shortcuts. Now, I need to confess something now. It's been very heavy on my heart. I love shortcuts. Not bacon, but shortcuts in life. 
I love a good shortcut in traffic. I love a good shortcut in a shopping queue. But the best shortcut ever was when Aaron and I were in Rome and we were, um, sounds good, doesn't it? Rome. And visiting St. Peter's. And we arrived there all excited. We got to St. Peter's and there was the biggest queue I've ever seen in my life. It just went for as far as the eye could see. And I, I don't do queues. And so I immediately went into shortcut mode. Like there must be a shortcut somewhere here. And I spotted this side door. And there was these groups of people going through. And I was like, hmm, this looks interesting. So, and I realized after a while it was kind of groups of people that were traveling as a country like and traveling throughout Europe with a tour guide. So there was a Japanese group that were going through the side entrance, but I didn't think we'd blend in with them that well. So I waited, and then there was a, a French tourist group. Now I can speak a little bit of French, you know, parlez-vous français, whatever. And um, so I thought, I grabbed Aaron, I said, let's go, because he's a little bit more reticent to disobey than I am. So I, I, I grabbed him and we merged. I said, just act confident, just act confident. We merged into this group, but then we realized they had those little walkie-talkies, you know, they listened to the tourist guide on. So I said, grab your phone and just put it up to your ear and just, just nod and pretend, you know. So we go through this side door, and then, as we entered this hallway, there were armed guards all the way down with these machine guns. I'm like, oh, what have I done? But anyway, we got through and we enjoyed the St. Peter's. I know I'm a sinner in need of a saviour. I know, sorry. But my point is, there are no shortcuts when we follow Jesus. You know, we, we, we want everything quickly, don't we? We're kind of like a microwave society. I want instantaneously. You see, following Jesus is a process of transformation day by day, moment by moment, step by step. As Eugene Peterson famously wrote, he said, following Jesus is about long obedience in the same direction for life. You know, that word obedience in the, in the ancient Hebrew comes from two words. The first word, akuo, meaning to hear. And the second word, hupa, translated beneath. Put them together, and it makes a word that I can't pronounce, but it means submission to what is heard. Submission to what is heard. And perhaps you're at a crossroad of a decision in your life in this season. It could be to do with your finances. It could be a moral dilemma. It could be to do with your, your job or your future or a relationship that you're in. What voice are you listening to? And what voice will you choose to submit to? The voice of disobedience that loves to squirm its way in at a crossroad in your life. And sell your porky pies until you take this road, take this pathway. It's easier, it's quicker. No one will know. Everyone's taking that pathway. Or the voice of Jesus that says, follow me. Follow me down the road of obedience. Doesn't mean it'll all be rainbows and roses. But it always leads to life and blessing and purpose and peace and all those things. The Bible is packed full of promises for those that obey, those that listen to what God tells us to do in life. Things like you'll be watched over, taken care of, you'll live longer, you'll lack nothing good, just to name a few. But obedience is the premise behind all those promises. Now hear me this morning, the promises of God are given by grace, unadulterated, pure grace. We don't deserve them, 
We can't do anything to earn them. But we do get to walk in the blessings and those promises as we follow Jesus step by step, day by day, moment by moment. Like the old words, no, not like the words of an old hymn that I used to sing in the little Baptist church that I grew up in. I used to have two ladies. I think they were Peggy and Shirley. And they used to kind of compete against each other and one would sing louder and the other would sing louder and they didn't lift the roof. But the words of the song were trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. The invitation is for all. The invitation is for life. And the invitation is for someone. Okay, do it. The invitation is for someone. Jesus called out to them. Come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. Jesus always encountered people right where they were at. See, Jesus wasn't in the temple. He wasn't in church when he called out to the guys. He was actually down at the lake where they were. And he talks to them about what they know, what's familiar to them, fishing. And he uses that to cast a vision of what God could do through each one of them. See, it was at a tax collector's booth that Jesus invited Matthew. It was at a well that Jesus invited the Samaritan woman. It was at a sycamore tree that Jesus said to Zacchaeus, come down, I want to have dinner with you. It was on a cross that Jesus extended the invitation to a criminal and said, come follow me into eternity. See, Jesus was present wherever he was, looking, looking for that opportunity to invite that someone to come follow him. Now, I don't know about you, but I can be guilty of living such a, a fast-paced life, zipping in and out of traffic, looking down at our devices, heading to the milk aisle like it's a covert mission, and we miss those opportunities, those someone or someones in our life that are just waiting for that invitation. Because there's a someone in all of our lives. Who's that someone in your life? They could just be waiting for that invitation. Come and see. Come to church with me. Come and encounter this Jesus that has transformed my life and can do the same for you. Keep our eyes open for the wonder of opportunities all around us. You know, before Jesus left this earth, to be with his father, he gathered the disciples, the likes of Peter and Andrew and James and John, who'd accepted that call to follow him, and he gives them a mission. He says this in Matthew 28. Therefore, go and make disciples, just another word for Jesus' followers, of all, there's that word all, all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I'm with you to the very end of the earth. The invitation is for all. The invitation is for life and the invitation is for someone. And as you follow Jesus step by step, day by day, his story becomes entwined in our story. And it's a remarkable story. It's a story of redemption and hope, of courage and love and peace. Nothing, nothing can satisfy what our soul craves for except by following Jesus. Everything else is a poor substitute that never satisfies. So today I want to ask you a question. What's the next step for you? 
Because you might have been a Jesus follower 70 years, seven minutes, or not even made up your mind yet, but there's always a next step. There's always a next step. Perhaps for you it's leaving behind something, leaving behind a behavior, a habit, a sin, an addiction, something that you know is holding you back from following Jesus. It could be unforgiveness or offense. Or perhaps for you it's taking hold of a new behavior, like spending time with God in your Bible, giving regularly, coming to church, connecting, serving, whatever it is. There's always a next step. Perhaps for you it's the next step to obey Jesus is to get baptized. And Jesus said, believe and be baptized. It could be to um, take part in our grow courses, specifically designed to help you in your journey of faith. Whatever it is, can I encourage you this week? Because we all love to, we, we love to um, put things into action here at Eastlake. We don't want to just be hearers. We want to be doers, don't we? We don't just want our ears tickled. We want to be changed from the inside out. So this week, what I'd love you to do is ask God, what is that next step for me? You might already know, often he's been knocking on your heart for a while and sometimes we resist, don't we? Write it down. Write it down. Share it with a friend to keep yourself accountable because there's nothing like accountability. And then do it. Just do it. Take that next step of following Jesus. And watch the blessings flow into your life as you do that. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never taken that very first step. That very first step of saying, yes, Jesus, I want to leave my old life behind and I want to follow you for the rest of my days. You know, it was many steps of obedience that led Jesus to a cross. The team can come now, that'd be awesome. It was many steps of obedience. He could have taken the easy pathway, but he chose that tough pathway that led him to a gruesome death, laid down his life for you and I, took our penalty of sin, took the penalties of all our sin upon himself so that we could be free to say yes to Jesus. And I want to extend that invitation to you this morning. We're going to pray right now or in a moment. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. It's as simple as that. There's no prerequisites. You don't have to clean up your life first. You just need to choose and say yes to Jesus. So would you close your eyes right now? And let's all join in in this prayer together. Dear Jesus, thank you for laying down your life for me. I want to leave my old life behind. And I choose to follow you today. Forgive me of my sins. And give me that new heart. I want you to be the leader of my life. In Jesus' mighty name.